0: Inside the recording studio, I am Jody Whitesides, and this is Mr. Chris Hellstrom.
1: Hello there, Jody. How's it going?
0: I'm alive and not unwell.
1: That's good. That's good. What's going on this beautiful morning where you are?
0: Well, a fight between summer and winter, otherwise known as Bring Us Spring
1: Yeah? Yes. So not ideal skiing conditions for you right now? Not
0: this morning, no.
1: That's very unfortunate. It is. Yeah. It is, it is. Yeah. We have allergy season out here, so I might be sniveling a little bit, for which I apologize, but it's, yeah, it's trying to get As long as you
0: grovel with the snivel, it should be okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's uh, a first world problem, I suppose, but... uh, no, everything is good on this end as well, and uh, we're setting up here to do another episode, so what yes. could be more fun? Ah, yes.
0: uh, workflow could be more fun.
1: Right. That's and what that we're talking
0: hap- about today, right?
1: Yep. Workflow, how to do so, – so I guess if you listen to the first – was it eight episodes, we did a little bit more of an overarching kind of vibe for – different instruments. And uh, I guess this will mark when we kind of get into a little bit more detail um, with, well, a little bit more detail of how we might do something, I suppose. <laughs> uh, it's all
0: about the detail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, as always, there's more than one way to do something, but this is kind of what we tend to do and it's been working quite well for us. So,
0: Yes. It's like sitting so, a cat, but it's got nine lives and it keeps coming back.
1: Sure, <laughs> whatever, yeah. Uh, I, I claim very little experience in that, but I get your point. Yes. Um, so I guess we'll start at the the beginning here. We're, we're talking about tracking mm-hmm. uh, today and recording. So um, what do you do? Let's say you have, let's say, a uh, hypothetical situation here where you have a four-piece band. Mm-hmm. And um, they want to track a rock song with you. So what what do you plan to do first? What, what's your sort of like what's your modus operandi when you get into that situation?
0: Well, I guess the first question is, is where are we at in this situation? Are we already prepped and ready to record? Do we need to get the studio ready to record? Where are we at in this game?
1: Let's say in this case um, it is well something I think a lot of people could possibly relate to. Let's say that it's uh, less than an ideal budget situation. Mm. Uh, so your said band say, "Well, we got a pretty decent sized rehearsal space, and that's where we want to track." So oh,
0: so I'm going to them. I'm mobile. You're mobile in this case. I'm yes. Mobile. All right. Well, <clears throat> I'm dragging along a laptop, obviously. Yeah. A pair of headphones like the ones I've got on. Mm-hmm. And I would probably drag my Apollo system in a rack. Right. Because it would give me a fair amount of inputs. Then, of right. course, I'm assuming that they're going to have mic cords. And if I do my not due diligence and show up without being ready by having not communicated, I might show up empty handed in that regard. So I would be talking to the band ahead of time to find out what they already have at their rehearsal studio. Right. And... Figure out, do I need to bring extra cables? What mics do I need to bring? What mics do they already have? Uh, Other things I would be thinking about, how they want to deal with the drum kit, how we would deal with any kind of isolation in between the instrumentation. Right. I would probably be dealing with, once I show up there, knowing all that information of what mics and cables I need to go along with my Apollo system. where i could set people in the room to make it sound ideal.
1: Right. Yeah. That, so that
0: would be the start.
1: Yeah. So the 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 point here i think is gather as much information as you can. You obviously want to be well prepared. You don't want to get there and try to set up a session and you realize, <laughs> oh well, we have one mic, you know. Uh, yes. so that would be Yeah, bad. so you want right. So you get as much information as you can to be prepared for as many circumstances as you can imagine, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, let's assume that everything is in good working order, good cables, microphones, placements, that type of thing. <coughs> and have, have plenty of power out. <coughs> sure. All, all the practical issues have been Sussed reasonably out. solved, right? All right. And um, would this be a situation where you would try – Let's say we said a four-piece, right? Yeah, you said a four-piece, rock band. I said a four-piece. So uh, let's assume that we have two guitar players. One of them is singing as well. We have a bass player and a drummer. Okay. Not completely unheard of. Um, What would be your go-to move with that as far as the tracking? Would you try to get them to perform together or would you try to – do instrument by instrument?
0: The first thing I would do once I'm there, if I've not ever heard the band playing live, which would be absolutely unheard of, <laughs> I wouldn't just show up having never heard them. But right. let's say that that is the situation. I've never heard them play live together. The first thing I would do is find out how well they play together by having them perform the song or one of the songs that we're about to record. Right. At that point I could make the determination whether I have to go individually or if I can go as a group because Mm -hmm. if they can play together and they can play tightly, I'm going to record everything at once. If they can't play together tightly, then I'm going to do what I can to record individually
1: Right. And that's just to get more control over timing and this and that. And yes. Making sure that uh, everything locks together, that As, type of thing.
0: Yes. Correct the mundo.
1: Right. Um, now, depending on inputs that you have at your disposal, mm-hmm. that will also be a determining factor, yeah? Because if you have, let's say that there's an average-sized drum kit... Um, just like we talked about when recording drums, you may have to, well, you have to sacrifice certain inputs if you're going to track everybody together if you don't have enough inputs. Correct. So would you prefer to go that route where, let's say, that there's a band that that they're really tight performing together, would you do possibly just, let's say, the kick, snare, and a pair of overheads? Um, to get that feel, that live feel, and then, you know, just try to blend the kit that way? Or would you think that the drum sound is of vital importance for the band? So you, you're going to need the inputs. And a third part of the question there, if you deem that that is the case, would you try to get like an aggregate device so that you would get the more inputs just to, to kind of um, be able to accommodate that?
0: Yes. Uh I don't remember all the questions. now. However, in terms of inputs.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: my mobile rig at the moment has ten inputs. Right. Which for a four piece band would allow me kick, snare, two overheads, mm-hmm. a vocal mic.
1: Well a assuming guitar, that the vocals won't be done live, right? Because that, that could be well, a potential nightmare. Not um,
0: necessarily. If you're setting things up properly, you can still do it depending on the isolation you can get out of the mic. So I'm running through the inputs. <laughs> right. So four inputs for the drums. Kick, snare, overheads to kind of grab everything there. Mm-hmm. Then uh, if it's one singer, one vocal mic, uh, we have two guitar players. So that's two mics right there, which gives mm-hmm. us seven. I'm going to go bass, bass. Probably going with the mic on the bass and with the direct, right? Just to be double sure on that, which leaves me one input left over just in cases for something else a second vocalist or a stereo, something I don't know.
1: Talk back mic, <laughs>
0: or well, yeah, wouldn't right. necessarily need it if I'm in the room with them, so right, but yeah. uh, yeah, that would be okay. my input guess at the beginning, yeah,
1: okay. Um so, okay, so we got through the inputs there. When would be a case where part of the question that where you would sort of sacrifice the performance of the band, so to speak, performing together and miking up the whole kit, uh, and just to have that eat up all the inputs that you have? Let's say that you're going to need to, you know, spot mic the hi hat and you're going to have to get a couple of drums or or toms, I'm sorry, uh, mic'd up, that kind of thing.
0: Well, if that's the case, it's needed, then that's what happens. Right. The band still plays together to start. Drummer plays, hopefully, to a click. Right. And then we track the drums first. There'll probably be a little bit of bleed sure. based on the live instrument still playing with. And then after the drummer is done, do a little bit of timekeeping. Uh, timing cleanup if necessary before tracking overdubs and then it becomes overdubs for uh, the guitars and then the overdubs for the bass then the overdubs for the vocals.
1: Right. Right. Switching um, gears
0: each time. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, now one thing that that could come up in those situations would be um, now, hopefully, the band is well rehearsed enough that they know their songs. <laughs> that's um, the
0: hope. That's what you always hope for,
1: right? So th- that's at that the reason point,
0: why I'm needing to hear them before I decide: am I tracking to everything with, together or individually?
1: Right. Um, but even in the case, so let's say that there, it's a little bit iffy on the. They're not entirely clear on the arrangements of the songs and things so um the the sort of like the common consensus is that you lay down the rhythmic foundation first right you have the drums, so you get to build on that but what about having just a a guide let's say guitar track in this case just to be there first so that the drummer knows okay now i'm going into this um this is the section. This is the end of the verse. We get the pre-chorus coming in, whatever have you. But would you ever approach that from just having that first, or would you like them to just sort of do that together so that they can be that communication type of a thing amongst the players?
0: Uh, I think I would go with the communication route. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, to have them together.
1: <coughs> right. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that I that's just more of a comfort factor. I it then again it also depends on the level of playing ability. I mean sure. if, if you have somebody like Terry Bozio walking in who probably <laughs> has everything charted first so he right. knows exactly what he's doing, then you don't need to have your bass player sitting there trying to groove with him at the same time as as all the other band members as well. It's right. just one of those it, it, it's all based upon the, the level of performing ability so we as you pose the question you're saying guys that are not fully prepared and don't have a huge budget I'm going to instantly assume they're not going to be of that level
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no I think that's a fair assumption and I guess as the uh, the engineer or engineer slash producer at that session that that would be case okay, not not to sound high on your horse here but that would you'd have to make that, you know, that decision if that's something that you want to be involved with. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But but that's not to, to sound snobbish or anything like that. But, but if it's, you know, you would hope that bands are reasonably prepared when they decide to record. Because, you know, the, the less prepared you are, obviously your, your recording is going to suffer. Um, that's very true. You know, so... Um, yeah, I think you, you're. I, I would go over the same route in a lot of cases that that you, that you say. Um, and well, time to take the first sip of the podcast, right? But depending on the song and everything, what, what we need for the drums, <laughs> That's um,
0: right. get your get your shot glasses out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I the the other thing too, when you're having everybody perform together, it helps if you can do which one of the things that we haven't really brought up yet is having Q mixes for each person. Sure. So, Very important. Uh, they're all hopefully having their headphones or you're bringing headphones, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, the Apollo system, fortunately, can do four different Q mixes. Mm-hmm. So you have the ability to do up to four. And since we're doing a four-person band, luckily at that point, everybody gets to have their own little Q mix to hear exactly what they want to hear while they're playing to right. hopefully make them more comfortable as they're playing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes if you have a bigger group, uh, you have to figure that out. Sometimes you don't get individual cue mixes unless you have your own studio set up where they're coming to you and maybe you have the hero system. I think it's called the heroes or is it just the hear system uh, where everybody gets their own little box in front of them and they plug their headphones into it and they dial their own mix of what they want to hear.
1: That's in a perfect – that's universe. in a perfect world when right.
0: we're talking about going to someone else's right. studio four piece band. So fortunately yeah. the Apollo has the ability to do four different Q mixes. So the singer can get his Q mixes uh a Q mix, the bass can get Q mix, the guitar player can get a Q mix, and the drummer can get a Q mix as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess the the bottom line is so whatever. Uh, Q mixes. You, you have the ability to do just make people feel as comfortable as possible because you want that inspiration. You want them to sound good when they're playing, so you kind of get the the vibe, right?
0: Yes, vibe. Uh,
1: yeah, and uh, if you really boil it down, that's really what our job is, right? To kind of to to capture that vibe of that that song that's supposed to be there as a
0: recording uh, engineer or as a producer.
1: Right. Well, both really, yeah, but, um, yeah, you know, um, you, you, again, in a perfect scenario, you'd like it to to sound like it belongs together. It's not just, it, it's people playing together, not just at the same time. You know, if you get my meaning, yeah, um, yeah, so you do that best by making people feel good. They can hear themselves and they can hear the drummers playing with a click. You can Make sure that he hears the click. You he can hear as much in the headphones as he wants to, or the guide track. If there is one, just whatever you might need. Um, so that's a Q mix situation. Yeah. 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 And, um, once we're at that point where we've sussed all that kind of stuff out, um, whether you're going through your Apollo system or if you're going through hardware, anything on the way in, mm-hmm. uh, when are situations when you might want to commit to a sound? In other words, if you're doing any kind of processing, any any compression, you might do any EQing, anything like that. Um, when would you commit to that as opposed to just something to make a player feel comfortable uh, doing it while they're tracking?
0: When would I do this? Wow. Uh, In terms of reverbs and other things, that's all going to go through bus channels that aren't going to get recorded. In terms of compression and EQ, those are things that I would probably be committing with the track.
1: Yeah. For sure. Uh, Right. And I think it's important to make a note there that um, if you're tracking with compression... Make mm. sure that it's reasonably light and it's doing just a job. It's not like your job to completely uh have it mixed ready. I mean, in the perfect world, that would be great. But it, it can also be very easy to overcompress something and you're cooking something a little too hard on the way in. Yes, and cooking. Then you're yeah. <laughs> and then you go, wow, what happened to the emotion in this? <laughs> There's no dynamics left. You smush um, the shit out of it. Right. And uh that's an awful position to be in because now you got to fall on your sword and say, hey, guys, uh, sorry, we're going to have to uh, retract that... uh, Do another take! Bass guitar there, yeah.
0: It didn't sound good. Yeah. (laughs) You don't ever want to say that to them.
1: And then you just blame the bass players. Like, yeah, I think there was something (laughs) wrong with the bass. we got to do that again. Um, So, uh, yeah, tread lightly. But I would say that if... I mean, in your case... When you've been tracking vocals and things and I end up getting them here for some of the stuff that we do together, and I've told you this before, it's really refreshing. Because it's coming to
0: you on a silver platter.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) if you know um, what you're going for in the end um, and you can have stuff as, as good as possible, at the recording stage, once you can deliver files like that, that that's awesome. Well, that's so really you... the job
0: of the producer now, isn't it? To co- to communicate with the band, find out what it is they're going after, and then you are the vehicle yeah. that carries it to that end goal as a producer. As a recording right. engineer, you need to listen to the producer and understand what he's telling you to get whatever vibe, whatever color, whatever it is, whatever sound, and how it's captured to deliver that goal to the producer who's then going to turn and deliver it to the band
1: or sure. the artist Sure, yeah and um, same thing if you are if you are those two people, if you are the engineer and the producer um, on a project, you, that's your job, so you know that, okay well <laughs> I know I'm going to have to, but but that issues can arise with that I think if let's say that the band that we've been talking about here are not super experienced recording themselves. Um, not entirely unheard of, right? Um, where they're they're checking, you're checking your levels and everything and you're asking them to do it. Just play like you normally would and the, the way you are. And then you uh, turn
0: the red light on and they freak out.
1: Well, they freak out or <laughs> the adrenaline kicks in and all of a sudden their input levels go up by 10 dB, you know? Oops. Um, yeah, so and now you end up with a smushed signal if you're too heavy-handed with the compressor there. So, um you definitely want to watch peaks and things like that, I'd say, but uh tread lightly unless you really really know what you're doing and you know that uh it's going to translate well. Uh, same thing with EQ, I say, with, you know, if you're doing more I would say on the way in if you're printing with it, um have it be more of a corrective thing. Let's say that you're you're removing rumble from something. There might be um, a frequency that, that's giving you some issues. Uh, I would try to maybe sculpt that. But again, be gentle because, you know, it, it's harder to undo those things. But uh, if you're going to print with it, know what you're doing. Don't be too heavy-handed.
0: Well, that goes without saying. And there's well, another should. shot to be taken right there.
1: Yeah, well, it should. Go without saying, but um, there, I said it anyway.
0: Yeah, that That's uh, a, another situation, too, because if you're working in a remote situation like we we're kind of talking about, you need to be able to rely on your headphones as being a very accurate source of what you're hearing.
1: Yeah, yeah. you can't uh, rely on
0: your headphones and you don't know them well enough, it's not a good idea to be doing heavy-handed things.
1: Right. Yeah, and uh, also when you're doing that, you're generally listening to that instrument in solo mode, and that's not the way it's going to sit in the mix. So uh, once you get to that stage and you solo an instrument, it might sound really, really odd, god-awful just in solo mode, but it sits really, really well in the mix that way. So um, What a good way to say it. It
0: sounds absolutely awful sounds like ass.
1: It could. <laughs> it could. Um Very true. or or at least odd. Yeah. Um but uh in the mix it, it might sit really really well. So, um any kind of processing going in uh, tread lightly. Um and, unless you and,
0: really know what you're doing.
1: Right. And then you uh, uh but but tread if, you hard if you have to be want. we we talked about this before as well with miking and things, but um if you have to EQ that heavily on the way in, something's done it, wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, your
1: your mic placement is probably not right. You yes. know, so so very, do very that true. first. Very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, well,
0: and another thing to comment on committing to sound: yeah. if you're running something like an Apollo system, or even uh, I would assume you could take the Slate kind of mobile, right, mm-hmm. where you can emulate various boards. Yeah. I'm of the mindset that if you're going to do that, pick the board type, whether it's API, Neve, SSL, what have you, use that and record that sound on the way in because that's what you were going for when you decided to do it. Sure, yeah. Rather than trying to do it later in the process. right?
1: Yeah, I think it was – That's committing um, Committing to that sound. Committing to that, yeah. Um, I think – It was Eddie Kramer that said in an interview one time where he was talking about committing to sound. And he's a big fan of it because he said now with with the way we're recording, we have so many options. Mm. So we leave those options to come mix time, right? So am I going to do this to the signal? What am I going to do this? But you're essentially just kicking the decision in front of you, you know, just passing the buck down to later down the line where he was a big fan of. No, we're committing to this. We're doing that. We're printing that. And then we the won't have to worry about it later. Yes. Yeah. Um, so committing to sound. So now um, we have a little note here on our list that we wanted to talk about when it comes to overdubs. Hmm. Um,
0: overdubs, overdubs, hmm. lots and lots of overdubs.
1: Could be, right? So let's say that you're in that situation where you're tracking everybody at once. Yep. And um, what would your preference be to, let's say, no, we're going to take, take it from the top one more time, or we're just going to punch <laughs> in that, that chorus, or, or what, what would you do?
0: Take it from the top one more time. Right. Um, actually, this is the point where once you're tracking, it's a really, really good idea to have a pad and pencil or patent paper or Mm -hmm. iPad and Apple Pencil or what have you to take notes. Something to make notes. Something to take notes Mm -hmm. so that as they're doing their performance, you can write yourself notes to say, oh, this bass part was really awesome in this section or Mm -hmm. there was a little something and you look at the bar line of where it happened and you make a note of like, oh, we need to go back and fix this at this point. That way you don't have to run the song top to bottom a million times. You can just go back and start grabbing the little bits and pieces that may or may not have worked in a particular performance. Right. There's nothing wrong with doing a top to bottom performance, but when it comes to the idea of singing, a lot of the times it's not the most ideal thing. And if there's weird cuts in the music in terms of like the guitar player misses a change on his – amp rig or something if there's a pedal change or something and the sound doesn't come in at the right time that's something that has to go be you know go back and fix it somehow uh, unless you want to leave it as the mistake that it was sure so that's why it's good to have notes you can make notes and say hey you know this particular performance was not up to snuff we need to go back and get this little bit or maybe we do track a whole thing it, that's kind of how the beatles did it they do an entire 20 takes of a song or something and they'd figure out which take is the best part for each part and they'd cut it together. And it's
1: always take two, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I think also it can get a little bit tricky with the overdubs. Like if you're, um, again, if you're tracking the whole band together um, because there will be, hopefully not too bad, but there will be a certain type of bleed in between all the instruments. Yep. Um, so it's not as easy as just, okay, well, we'll just get Joe guitar player in and overdub his part. You kind of need to have the whole band there. So you get that you don't all of a sudden you have a guitar part and there's, oh, there's no leak. And why why is that sounding different now in the mix? That kind of thing. Um, This is
0: why comp folders are a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So if... If I'm faced, now we're assuming here, or I'm assuming that if we're tracking a band all at the same time, <sighs> we, we can, I know, there I go assuming <laughs> again. Um, Never assume. That fairly competent players. So that we can we can get a solid performance even if we're doing just an overdub and everything would be fine. Um but if they're not that solid-up performers, I would um, suggest that um, you track everybody one by one by making that process a lot easier as well. So if you need to overdub something, you don't have to contend with all the bleed and you're kind of building a more and more solid foundation as, you, as you're as going up.
0: Sure. That can make it a lot easier on the down-the-road mix thing.
1: Sure. And um, one more thing, a little bit of an A-side to that, but – uh, when we talked about tracking and having perhaps a guide track to mm. the drummer or, yes. or whoever's going down first, um, make sure that that performance is in time. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, there are cases where, let's say that, uh, okay, we're going to go in and this is our guide track, this is a demo. Mm. And if you're laying down a foundation to that, and the drummer is playing along to that. He's going to play along to that, let's say, the guitar that's down there. If that guitar is not in time, it's very, very difficult to tell the drummer, no, don't listen to what's there. Listen to the click. You know, <laughs> and that, very, very difficult. I mean, you're putting the drummer really on the spot by doing that. Sure. So um, don't be afraid of... You know, time correcting, a guide track that might be there. It doesn't matter if it doesn't sound natural, but well, it's it's just a guide. Here, here's
0: know? a little trick.
1: What's so that?
0: So I once recorded an artist. This was a solo artist uh-huh. for a song and set everything up, figured out the tempo of the song, the whole deal, set up a click, tried to get him to, you know, perform with the clicks. Couldn't do it.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Absolutely could not do it. Then he mentioned something that was like, hmm, I'm going to try this. He said he could play to himself perfectly. Okay. So I recorded a performance of him. Uh Uh-huh. Then I time-corrected everything about that performance on his guitar and had him play to his own guitar playing instead. And that worked? And it worked perfectly. Okay. To a time-corrected version of his own guitar playing, which was really bizarre. (laughs) (laughs)
1: well done for him then
0: (laughs) (laughs) but it was something where i had spoken to a couple of other producer friends and they were just like that's ingenious how did you think of that and i'm like well he told me he could play to himself so it's like yeah you know what well time correct you know no matter how bad the timing is on the guide performance i'll correct it out and make it you know where it should be. And then he played to that and then, you know, not perfect, perfect, but close enough that it's like, then you don't really hear the timing corrections.
1: So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and th- that's also, I guess we should talk about that when both you and I, I think are talking about time correcting. Um, it's very easy today to get heavy handed with that because the tools are right there. Right. Yes. So, you know, Listen with your ears and not with your eyes. Right, so I love to know, listen don't with my to be, eyes. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, I've heard stories of, of a, a friend of mine where he would he would a, a drummer and he would get a call in to play on a certain artist, um, the record, and oh, we want it because we want the live feel. Right, <laughs> so they go in and he lays down, and then they they use time correction software to slam everything to the grid after that. So it's like, well, okay, well, what did you need me for then? Right. <laughs> but um, so if you're – let's say for me, if I'm in that situation and I, I, I'm i forced to – or forced is a heavy word, but uh, I, I decide that I want to time correct drum performance.
0: Are they twisting your uh, arm?
1: Oh. They, they, yes. Um, I would not necessarily – unless I have to, but uh, time correct, maybe on the bar, you know, so you have, if it's a kick that's hitting on the downbeat, you might do that, but if the snare is a little bit late on two, or whatever it happens to be, if it's bothersome, I'll do it, but I'll just try to make sure that it's not lagging completely behind or anything, unless I know that it's a drummer that is purposefully doing that. Sure. Because I know I want this to be a little bit of a lazier feel, that kind of thing. Um, So, Use caution on time correction. I guess the same with compression and all this kind of stuff, right? Because it can really be made to sound really stiff.
0: It can be. But then again, sometimes your time correction ends up doing funky things to sounds. Yes, that's the
1: other point of it. Yeah, A
0: live drummer that I worked with who, if I had actually been paying for the session myself, Mm -hmm. I would have fired him after the first take. Yeah. Because that's how god-awful his playing was. Mm Mm-hmm. But I wasn't paying for it, so I had to grin and bear it, yeah <laughs> deal with with the band's drummer because they were paying for things, and they wanted him to be the drummer. I got home with the mix or with the recordings and comped everything together, and then did timing correction on it just to get him close to a semblance of keeping a solid groove. And that caused sure. funny issues with hi-hats and with kicks where something would be stretched or compressed so much in terms of the time because it was so far out of the groove wow. that it would cause an anomaly in the sound requiring layering with samples to yeah. alleviate the issue. Yeah.
1: No, that that's that that's rough when it when it's that that bad, yeah, when you have to yeah 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 uh, and they so, wanna yeah. sound
0: like they really knew what they were doing, that's what they were paying for, right. it's like, okay, well, yeah, I think I know I who you're, you're
1: talking about, um, but yeah, so if you're you know, yeah, let's make it sound like you know a bob rock production on drums or something, but <laughs> but you don't sound like that, you know, it's like, right. yeah, you know, uh it it could be could be rough. Um, so now let's say that everything is tracked, everything is right there in your DAW, in your case, logic, and you're just ready. Let's just start mixing right away, right? No. Nope. Hell no. Hell no. Come what do we on, do? Please,
0: please. I want to, I want to mix now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> fun too. Right? Yeah. Can, can it just have a, uh, a quick mix? Um, no. Okay. Please. Okay. Okay, can you bring the guitar up? No. This is why we're not doing a quick mix right now. Yeah. Um but you I'm changed so, my
0: drums, I swear.
1: Yeah. Um so but uh there are things that we do. So both you and I have adopted this kind of method of um of mixing and that that's a little backstory I'll backtrack here a little bit, uh, I think we both used to do because um, we both write and, and record a lot of our own music and yeah. and together and all this kind of stuff where it happens it happens where you start an idea you're writing, and you kind of mix as you go along you know oh, when you go yeah. through that mm-hmm. and um it. It's not the best way of going around it. I th- we're going about it uh, these days. I think we both like to. Okay, the song is written now. Now we're gonna, you know, print audio, do this kind of thing, import into a new session, and then mix from there. Yes. So, the I think the important part there is to, to be as you're doing that process before you start mixing. Clean up audio like breaths and vocals might be clicks and stuff. The drummer might be using your or hitting a sticks, inadvertently picking them up before take, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it just helps you when you're mixing where you know you don't have to fix stuff as you're sitting there.
0: That's you right. Know, That's you, called mix prepping or prepping for the mix.
1: Right. <coughs> Excuse me. So um what what are the biggest things that you tend to look for in that case? Noise. 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 Like Squeaks like, and
0: like that and, noise that we just heard. Yeah. <laughs> a giant truck going by. Sounds like it. Yeah. So it's a busy uh, street. As as people who are working in non sound isolated studios, you have to deal with noise. Yeah. And unless the noise is something that is very particular to the characteristic of the track. You need to get rid of it as much as possible. The fortunate thing is in this day and age, there are some very handy tools to be able to do that fairly effectively without an extreme amount of trouble. Uh, One of my favorites is the RX bundle from Isotope, which Mm -hmm. comes with a plethora of different modules to allow you to take out like breaths, uh, mouth clicks spectral noise analyzation where you can actually take a noise print of the background of what's going on in a track and then it will create a curve and allow you to adjust ways to remove that noise when the signal dies down below a certain noise floor yeah
1: that's pretty incredible
0: it is it's really amazing stuff so they have other things too for specifically geared for vocals and and other things. And it's a wonderful way to remove noise from a track that isn't supposed to be there.
1: Yeah. Which is good,
0: especially when it comes to dealing with vocals and getting.
1: Yeah. Mouth. Stuff like that. Out. Mouth noises. <laughs> <laughs> breathing. Giant breaths and-, and whatnot. Yeah.
0: Um, breathing and whatnot is normal. Sometimes it's overpowering to the actual vocal. So you're either going to do a vocal ride or you use something like RXD, deep breath, or I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it will go through and remove that. Same thing with noise clicks and mouth noises. There's a D click a mouth D click kind of module (laughs) that allows you to automatically do it. And if you're not too heavy handed, it will sound real natural and then you won't have those noises in there. Uh, Yeah. Which is a great thing.
1: Right, absolutely. So
0: that's probably my first thing is to figure out, is the track in and of itself, if it's not a group effort of a single take, is it free of noise? Yeah. And if it isn't, then I clean out that noise so that Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with it while automating something in the mix.
1: Yeah. And And, and also one thing to keep in mind that never mind (laughs) – or besides the vocal thing would be to – let's say that um, a guitar part drops out in the bridge or whatever. And although the player might not be playing anything, make sure that that track is really quiet, you know, because it could be he or she are moving her hand up and down the string and you get a little squeak. And then, um, yeah, you just want to kind of get rid of all that kind of stuff Uh, unless you're going for like a really, really raw indie live feel or something like that. But even then, I would say that... You know, any extra noises and stuff are just going to be bothersome.
0: They can uh, be, yep.
1: Yeah. So clean all that kind of stuff up. Also, things that we talked about in the recording of drum episodes, is also a time where you might uh, double-check phasing. Yep. Uh, any slight time correction on that that you and I like to do where you kind of move things, a few samples here and there to to satisfy our, you know, retentive tendencies. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but that kind of stuff is like preparing before you mix right and then you right. you get your head gets out of that analytical mode and just focusing in on those things and then you can kind of be creative as you as you're starting to mix
0: exactly so therefore in this particular workflow scenario there's going to be a tracking template or a tracking yeah. file for the song mm mm-hmm. mhm and after the tracking is done, and you do the cleanup phase, and you get it all ready, then you stem out all your tracks.
1: Yeah, in this particular
0: as, concept of where we're going, and as then I you... would
1: like to say, can I? just <laughs> – yeah. not to interrupt you. I, I like um, to me. I always associate the term stem to stem. a group to a group of tracks. Okay, so, so what that, are you going to call so the individual
0: pieces? Uh, Exporting the tracks. Exporting tracks. Yeah. Okay. So
1: just just to be clear, what we're talking about each sure. individual track now is is out and and possibly a stereo overhead or or where it is. But but each individual tracks we're not talking about stemming out a stereo file with drums or anything like that. So
0: sure, it can be done multiples of ways. But yes. getting from the tracking to te- or tracking file mm-hmm. from the DAW, creating the individual tracks for a mix template that you would bring in for your DAW rather than doing your tracking and mixing in the same file. In the same file, yeah. Work from a new file. Yeah. Do things in stages. Get out of one head's mindset and get into another mindset. Right. It's almost zen-like doing this. Yes.
1: (laughs) It is very – because for some reason you just – you can forget about all those little things. You don't yes. have to worry about – it, it could be a little visual cues that remind you, oh, yeah, the, the drummer messed up on this part or whatever. Now you're just worried about, okay, well, here here's all my tracks. And it, it's just a cleaner uh, thing to do. And, um, again, this should hopefully go without saying as well. Um, but – when you're creating a new, or even when you're starting your tracking session, or you are starting the mix template or the mix session, make sure that you still have the same tempo on the files,
0: yeah, so,
1: or on the track. So I, I mean, I've same seen sync people
0: and tempo,
1: yeah. things
0: between uh, files,
1: and, and please set that when you're starting to track and when you're doing all this kind of stuff. <laughs> It'll it's save like, no, you we just a lot of to down the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, we're playing together. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it does matter because we want, you know, the same tempo. If I'm going to have a tempo sync delay, perhaps, or something like that, it's just, you know, just do your due diligence when you do that and do yourself a favor and set all that kind of stuff up, uh, beforehand. But, but that, that's kind of getting into a little bit of an episode we'll do down the line. We're talking about more about the mixing end of it, but, um, I think that takes us pretty much to the end of the tracking and kind of recording part of of this particular podcast. So,
0: Prepping for a mix. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah. Um, So anything else that you'd like to add to that, Jody?
0: Not particularly. Other than um, I tend to color code things. Yes. And I start at the tracking phase to do that. Yes. So... Maybe our two-minute Tuesday tip could be two two-minute Tuesday tips. One could be something about setting up cue mixes, and one could be about color coordinating your groupings of instrumentations.
1: There you go. There you go. No, that that is really, really good. Um, helps you stay organized, help you do all that kind of stuff. But we'll, yes. you know, I guess we can show our convention of doing that our methodology yes yes which is of course the only right one to use Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and if you believe that i got a bridge to sell you in park city
1: exactly um but uh that's going to do it for me then jody all
0: right chris and all right to everyone out there in inside the recording studio land we will see you later thanks for listening